0: What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show. Today, I want to explore seeking attention. For those who came here, to be honest, we'll agree that we all need attention. And in a way, we all seek attention. We're all social beings. One of our major hormones that governs our body and our happiness is literally based off of connection and love. So it's not necessarily negative to want and need attention. We all want to be seen, want to be heard, want to feel important to another person, want to be able to feel that, we all have automatic tendencies of seeking attention, seeking sympathy, seeking to fill this lack of importance. We all crave significance. We all crave connection and love. When we are in pain, if not anything else, we want the acknowledgment of that suffering. Regardless if anyone plays a part in ailing it, we want to know that our suffering is noticed by the people that we care about. It literally balances our biochemicals to know that we exist with a degree of importance to someone else. Or else, it's an indication that we probably lived poorly, and our poor choices have denied us access to this happy hormone, that we've lived in disservice to ourselves, that we cannot at the least even garner attention to our suffering, to be noticed, to be seen. When we are hurt, whether physically or emotionally, our relationships play a huge part in our sanity. We desire the people in our life to play a part. We first want to feel secure that our connection with the other person will stick, that they will not abandon us, that they will stick with us through difficulty. If we are on that stable ground of that dynamic in our relationship, we then want To believe that the other person will first see and maybe, maybe even participate in returning us back to homeostasis, to equilibrium. That they see and will be there and then do what is necessary for that hurt to be mitigated. Making us feel seen, feel heard and cared for. What could be troublesome is how many of us go about getting attention. In a way to do the poke test and see if we indeed have access to this care from others, we can act in ways that accentuate the the suffering, make it bigger and broader than it is, in a way to shine a light towards it, to make it easier to be seen. Make it harder to ignore. Some of us learn this in childhood because we so often felt unheard or unseen. Maybe you had a large family where everyone's needs couldn't be noticed. Maybe you feel like that middle child who didn't get enough of anything and had to grow up too fast, and your childhood was denied to you. Maybe you were the oldest and weighed down early by responsibility. Maybe the way you learn to be seen is by making it more obvious. To increase size so it is not lost in the crowd. To complain louder, groan deeper, hurt more visibly. I can understand how we got there. But what I'm asking is, what's the cost of that? What's the cost of it? Do you trap yourself in the actual suffering, more than you really are? Do you suffer more in your head than you really need to? How much can you distinguish between the accentuation and the lived experience? Isn't the additional attention drawn to your pain actually causing you to hold on to it? Aren't you binding yourself tighter? Again, because biologically we are all designed to appreciate attention and when it is available to want it and be satisfied with it being available, when does that fine line cross over to us holding on to hurt just a tad bit longer than it actually hurts? Just so we could still have the presence of that attention. And isn't that extra time holding on to it reducing some quality of life, some quality of your lived experience? Or does it all balance out because the additional attention that it garners makes up for it through its hormonal high, that kick of oxytocin? And that's just holding on to a hurt maybe a slight bit longer than it actually hurts. I have not even ventured into manufacturing suffering for attention. That is its own beast. Instead of elongating a suffering that was actually there but holding on to it longer, the manufactured sufferer endures the pain that doesn't have to be there in the first place at all. They are so deprived and so starving for this access, indication of care and love that they are either willing or unconsciously, because that's the strings they learn to pull, manufacture discomfort within their body, produce pain That need not be there. Invent the environment. Needed. To garner attention. Make themselves sick. And even with all of that. What if all of your attempts are futile? What if. What if they're still ignored? What do you learn then? What do you do then? What do you think of yourself then? Doesn't it diminish you even further? This external seeking, it can't be the solution. Those that vibrate higher don't operate this way. This empty seeking is the grip of low vibrations, our unmet needs that can easily ascend and become our masters. The divided Instinctual servants at the bottom, the lowest. There must be another way to feel whole and live in a way that confirms our deserving of care and attention. Eliminate the empty seeking and its recognizable form, its recognizable indications that we adorn. There must be a way to naturally and harmoniously create its existence by living it, by properly aligning ourselves and our contribution to not feel at a lack of it in the first place. To ultimately be able to give it to ourselves through an internal recognition of a well-lived life. And learning to communicate our needs effectively. Integrating and unsuppressing what those needs are for them to be heard, seen, and then learning to ask for them to be nurtured by the people we care about in a more transparent and honest way. Ultimately learning that we are deserving of being seen. Deserving of that connection and love. We no longer need to mask our true feelings. Because of our inability to voice our needs. Just asking for love in plain language. Saying sorry and breaking the awkwardness without manufacturing crisis. And why are you craving it in the first place? What did or didn't you get as a kid? I always, when I see this in myself, I try to trace it back. And when I see it in someone else, I try to think of what that person must have missed And I get that that bag is held by the parents that didn't give them something at childhood. But I'm sure those parents didn't didn't know what they were doing and didn't want you to have this void to work through your entire life. I mean, it's not like they did it out of malice and wanted to elicit this negative response that will cause you to seek attention for the rest of your life. It's not like they had a formula and even if they wanted to elicit a specific response, they couldn't if they tried. So there, there wasn't some programming that got you into this place of seeking. So what makes them responsible for holding this bag? And how long do they have to hold it? It really comes down to the story you hold on to. The story you keep telling yourself. There are people in the world who would look at the same pain as privilege. They would gladly suffer through what bogs you down. Their mental framing empowers them to transform this same mess into their message. Their self-talk, the story they tell themselves, changes their disposition. So at what point does the adult hold more of that bag of responsibility? At what point is it your bag to carry or bleed? So my understanding that I extend it to adults, including myself, with filling voids only goes so far. It fails the test of accountability. Especially after a certain point into adulthood. If your parents raised you some way, that's their fault. If you stayed that way, it's yours. This is why so much doesn't get accomplished in life. So much left are unaccomplished in the world, all buried under emotions. Most of us are just stuck in managing emotions. Most people do nothing except for deal with their emotions on a regular basis, and they procrastinate, and they use it as a justification for why something can't be done. It's no wonder why we don't accomplish much, while we achieve so little. We're lost in our neuroses, obsessed with past or future, obsessed with someone else's guilt, someone else's responsibility, illusions. Of the world. We're too tolerant of the ego and when it heads into negative thoughts, too casual with our mental chatter, too submissive to our needs. Ironically, though, the same people who seek attention in this way, including myself, the same people who seek attention in this way, seek care in this way, cannot tolerate too much of it. They only want it on their own schedule, only on their own terms. When given too much care or the amount that they, we thought supposedly, that they're soliciting through their accentuated seeking, their accentuated hurt, through the complaining, through the groaning, they push the people giving this care away. They are too soon bothered by the care provided. It is then them who turn back to denying themselves the attention they sought in the first place. Denying themselves the care they solicited in the first place. Maybe they themselves grow to believe they aren't worthy of too much of it. They enforce that lack of attention that they were given or not given from their parents or their environment by now becoming their own gate to it, denying themselves the very thing that they want. We're we're funny as humans, aren't we? We tell people we love them and need their care and attention by pushing them away throwing ourselves back into the corner of seeking it, of feeling deprived of it. Because that is more familiar to us. Not allowing ourselves to then break free of this hot and cold cycle by perpetuating the continuous cycle ourselves, being our own bad parent, being our own tormentor. And speaking of you being your own perpetrator, at a certain point, you must graduate to understanding that those monsters are still alive because you failed to slay them. You failed at your own responsibility to yourself and how you've conducted life. How much do you really care for others? How much of others do you see? How much of their suffering do you give attention to? Wouldn't it be fair to assume that they also want to be seen? How well do you give others what you wished you were given? How much do you live out your life to pad others from falling in the gutters you've been in? it's instead instead we tend to exploit our pain and our knowledge of where we hurt to bring pain onto others how much do you listen to others when they need to be heard or do your conversations revolve around you how much did you learn from the last interaction you had with the other human do you speak To hear yourself talk? Do you just listen waiting to respond with your next witty reply? Or so you can have the last word? Do you feel those silences that make you feel uncomfortable? With meaningless chatter about yourself? To fill that emptiness that you feel? What does someone else get out of speaking to you? What experience are you giving them? What would a year with you turn them into? What would they become if they spent a lot of time with you? How much do you contribute with your life for others to feel and have their needs met in ways you recognize your own craving? You get what you give, right? So be someone who isn't amused by sympathy. Seek deeper. Vibrate higher. Some of my favorite words from JP that relate to this topic for me. There's no excuse whatsoever for not getting at what it is that you should be doing. Don't use catastrophe as an excuse to not do what you should to move forward. It's absolutely reprehensible to justify your inaction with a catastrophe extracts mercy from other people. There's something to know that you are the sort of creature who can look at mortality, catastrophe, malevolence straight in the eye and nonetheless stand up and do right. Do what is right in all that there is. So there is a sort of immorality And holding on to your hurt and accentuating it for seeking and fulfilling these lower vibrations. Regardless of your pain and suffering, understand that your need for it, for it to be seen, is primal. It is on the lowest rung of humanity, it is the lowest vibrational thirst. There is much more waiting beyond. And sure, I understand Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how can you graduate to higher needs if your basic ones aren't met, which brings me back to giving it to yourself. Starting with giving it to someone else, be sensitive to all the ways in which you already are, and then respect, honor, and fill those buckets for other people. If anything, it will fulfill you in just doing so. In addition, it could start the bond of mutual filling. You may actually start to live a life well enough where the care and consideration that you crave, the care and consideration that surrounds you is genuine and unsolicited. That because of your own genuine care provided to others, that others may provide genuine care for you. You cannot negotiate desire. You cannot negotiate true care and consideration, true connection and love. You garner it, nurture it, and ultimately harness it through years of living earnestly contributing genuinely to your intimate community. You can feel when it's not solicited and when it's real. And this is the only way for it to really hit home and satisfy that bucket and break this hot and cold cycle of grasping and aversion through living and giving everything you yearn for. I love you all. You are seen. You are heard. You are cared for and loved. Go get more for yourself.